Hello everybody, this is Yusef Cole of Bullet Points Monthly, and I am coming in um, at this week with some great guests. We are, we've decided that uh, Armored Core 6, the game we covered last month, was good enough to not only write about, but to podcast about. It's that good, it's that deep, and um, you know, I won't... Uh, hesitate any further and i'll uh introduce who will be joining me unfortunately reed i can't make it but he is um you know he's on a, a sortie uh deep in a mine somewhere blasting up rebel forces and i'm sure he's, he's he told me to, he, he misses everybody but uh in his stead we have um autumn wright critic of all things apocalyptic and who uh wrote an awesome piece for us autumn hi hello hello and we also have Don Everhart, who also wrote a piece, uh, and Don thinks that games are good to think with. Hi there. Welcome. Um, thank you both for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Like, it's it's one thing just to read the essays, but I think there's a, some special magic that happens when we get to also talk about the essays in the game and just kind of, like, get to uh, get a little deeper than than the 1,000 to 2,000 words. Um, but yeah, Armor Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, came out this year, 2023. And uh, it is the sixth, obviously, in the series of the Armored Core franchise, which I haven't played um, previously, just because who knows why. There's too many games. Um, I don't know if either of you have played the previous ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have played the original uh playstation and playstation 2 releases for some reason i never made it to the ones on the playstation 3 though i would like to go back and and play them after playing six and there are mm -hmm. there are more than six. Oh yeah <laughs> i stand corrected <laughs> i'm not I had like a um, sneaking suspicion there were but dun 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 yeah. i they're they're very often uh and i hope this happens with six they sort of put one out and then put out like a you know 4.5 or something like that and and sometimes those are counted along the way to counting to six and sometimes they're not yeah <laughs> uh, just like the that 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 tricky coral just can't put your finger mm -hmm. down on armored core six naming conventions and, yeah, uh, and i'm a yeah. Bottom. Uh, I was gonna say I'm a general fan of Mecca, so I knew a lot of people who like a lot of the same stuff I like were very excited for this. Mm. Um, I feel like I've definitely played a few other Mecha games. I think like Damon X Machina, uh, which is like very much homage kind of to what old Armored Core games are doing that came out a few years ago. Um, and then I'm also big on Ace Combat, which I only mm. have just now realized is just like very much in line with the kind of game that this is trying to be yeah that's interesting i, I have heard similar like tell of of the ace combat games being kind of like more subversive than they seem on the surface <laughs> as like yeah, yeah. definitely like has me reevaluating that series but very like structurally level-based all the parts systems mm -hmm. those kinds of things going on very similar yeah um, but yeah, just to uh, quickly um, summarize the game, uh, Armor Core 6 has you playing as uh, a 
a mercenary called C4621, uh, augmented human, who is under the employ of a person named Tandler Walter. And uh, you get to this planet Rubicon, Rubicon which is uh, which has been mostly apocalypsized or uh, burnt a lot by um, a previous fire, um, fires of Rubicon, um, where the, I guess, uh, the material called coral, which is also a sentient race, uh, was exploited and um, and it ultimately, um, uh, I guess, um, trying to think of the word. Uh, I mean, it was it was burned. It was burned up. They burned it all up. Uh, they burned it up real good, and it spread everywhere, past the planet, just like a pretty big um, uh, apocalypse and. But now you're kind of in, I think, 50, 50 years or some time, I think 50 years or so in the future. Yeah, it's like almost a generation. Yeah, uh, and uh, they found some, some, some coral left, and the corporations have descended once again on the planet, and you are kind of working um, for basically all of them at one point or another. And you go, off, you go out on um, missions for the corporations, for a rebel faction that... Uh, is based in Rubicon and for various other forces. You're a gun for hire. You largely work for um, Walter, but you can kind of you go off on your own occasionally. Uh, the end, uh, the, you know, the you go through the game um, essentially pursuing uh, the. I think the sort you know, tr- trying to find like kind of the the, the coral mother load. Uh, and of course, when you do, there's uh, climactic confrontations of all the different forces. Including um, a a kind of coral entity named Air who's living in your head. Uh, so very s- straightforward plot line, um, <laughs> uh, just normal things happening. Um, and yeah, like there, it can end in a few different ways. You can you can kind of side with um, with Air uh, and kind of uh, prevent uh, the destruction of the coral, which is what uh, your handler was um, kind of surreptitiously trying to accomplish um, and or you could side with your with your handler um, and uh, ultimately uh, um, try and kind of sort of like, bl- like kind of burn all the fuel that uh, that's been driving um, all these corporations to to fight each other and for all this war and conflict uh, there's also new game plus endings that happen, uh, which I won't necessarily get into right now because it's just it's not necessary. We could talk about it more in the podcast if we need to, but I think uh, it's definitely a game that's more about, um, and for me, more about tone and more about um, setting and and the, and the kind of um, questions that the plot raises uh, in in the moment to moment rather than kind of like what are the beats that happen in this plot. Um, mm. But yeah, and then. The gameplay is yeah very it, it's which uh, J- Josh Calixto who um, wasn't able to make it today had, wrote a great piece uh, kind of describing the game describing the kind of nature of the gameplay as in some ways very throwback while not necessarily feeling dated like it actually it throwback in the sense that like you are it's a mission based like like Autumn you were saying about uh, um, uh, Ace Combat yeah um, where you're kind of going out on missions and you are uh, picking parts for your craft and there's not really there's not a ho- there's not a hub there's not an open world uh there is a very specific um kind of set of things you can do and everything is kind of vignetted and siloed into specific chunks of gameplay which definitely feels like um uh something not uh something from like another period of of gameplay uh, of gaming and not so much 
recently where you know games are meant to be places you just live in forever um so that is just worth remarking on and i'm, I'm sure we'll get to that but yeah i, I i'm curious about both of your thoughts uh about you know just generally like it, what would you think about the game um autumn would you like to begin yeah it's a it's a good game <laughs> um it's just uh, i haven't like been that early taken in by a game in maybe a couple of years it was like or at least like the mechanics of it something that i just like want to be so good at doing um and i really feel like you can see how much uh, like development overlap there is with sekiro specifically mm -hmm. from software um I did not know this about myself when I started, but like I really liked uh, all the melee weapons on the mechs. Um, it was just like such so, so kinetic, um, and just yeah, like really gets at the like not quite simulation, right? But the sense of like moving in that action, um, mm -hmm. and I think for me a big part of that was the most recent season of Gundam, uh, The Witch from Mercury, had ended a month or two before this game came out. Uh, and these are, like, very similar kinds of mechs in terms of how they fight and move around. And I think getting to kind of, like, live that fantasy a little bit was a really big part of it for me and, I imagine, a few other people. Yeah, it does definitely uh something special about the way melee works where it's it's not kind of an afterthought like it can you build you kind of have to not only build your mech around it but also strategize like for how to do it right or you can't just like ru run at the person you have to stun them first or or wait for kind of an opening which mm -hmm. is like really interesting I mean, yeah i mean like in what ways do you think it's like secure or like i mean i have, I have thoughts but i'm curious what you think it's like the the like flow state that you can get into, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Sekiro really, like, really hits as this rhythm game, and I don't think it's quite the same thing here, but it's just like the moment-to-moment the -moment tactics feeling like I am moving my hands through the controller, mm. almost. Um, yeah, and just like the level design, the verticality of it all, like things that really stand out in comparison to the other work from software has done with like Dark Souls, uh, that is much less vertical, a little bit like slower, um, less like at any one moment, many things you could do. Um, and I think like a big part of this game is its learning curve also. Um, there's a moment, the end of chapter one, uh, boss that like everyone got stuck on um like the weekend this game came out and we were all <laughs> posting about it um like it's very much like the fight at the top of the castle in Sekiro uh, against Genichiro for the first time um as this like you have to master all these systems it's a lot but you have to be able to like think about all these uh things on the screen all the like vibrations on the controller um know which buttons do what thing right away and like it like teases out all these things about like I was, I was doing something on my controller where like i would squeeze one of the triggers and like do a boost when i didn't mean to 
just because like I needed to move my hands differently. Um, and like there's just like that like tactical, tactile joy of the game is like something that I uh, see in Sekiro as well. Yeah, it's like literally like the white knuckle, <laughs> um, like <laughs> description works there, where it's just like you're you're kind of so uh, tightly uh, keyed into like the like your hand eye, like your hand your eye to the game to like and back and forth like, and every movement counts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that fight in particular uh, uh, against um, the I think it's the our Baltius. Baltius, yeah, it's been a second. So I was like, how could I forget Baltius's name? Like <laughs> after all this, it was definitely where I was like, yeah, like I'm like, yeah, this like absolutely feels like um, something from Sekiro, uh, where you're like, uh, especially the second phase, where um, essentially like this is flying orb guy who shoots like a ton of missiles and, and, and has a lot of uh, movement ability. And so you're kind of constantly chasing him down. And, um, and, uh, but once you get to the second phase, they have this crazy uh, flamethrower melee that, that covers huge swaths of the map, which I kind of reminds me of like the demon of, of, of hatred. Insecure. Yeah, it reminded kinda, me of that specifically. Yeah, too. you're just like how you're like at first you're just like how do I get around this, and then you kind of figure out how to do it. But it's like uh, just visually so um, impressive and overwhelming. But that in that second phase, you're you're there is just like that uh, razor margin of 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 definitely like con- of thinking in a cerebral way, like con- conceptualizing what you're going to do, but also at the same time not being not being able to account for every detail and then and so like relying somewhat on instinct and somewhat on um kind of like blind uh like just will <laughs> to essentially clear the fight mm-hmm. uh i mean there's probably some way there's probably like some level of play where you you can approach the fight um you know once you're like so well versed in it that you can kind of like anticipate everything or like figure out all your placements but just the nature of the game being something where you're so the placement is very fluid um meters are constantly like uh, like emptying and reloading and there's just like um, almost like too much to keep track of that like there is a level of like let it happen naturally and let it um uh or like kind of intuit half of what you need to do and the other half you can try and like strategize but there's just an underlying like kind of like subconscious uh like layer that you need to bring to the fight as well, which definitely reminds me of the like many of the yeah, many of the more difficult Sekiro fights. Like obviously the, the final one um, against uh, Genichiro and then um, Ishin are just uh, like I you know you know how to do it, but like every time you go back to do it, you kind of have to re- you realize like there's always some level of chaos that you have to embrace yeah. to to um, overcome it. But yeah, mm. um, yeah, the fights are super memorable uh don uh, don what do you think of this game i i also loved playing the game mm-hmm. um and i i think i've been surprised because in the in the week since i at least finished the first round of, of new game and started a new game plus but i've also been playing a lot more other things i don't not focusing on it quite as much as i did mm. i i like it even more uh on reflection than i i I think I was even enjoying it in the moment. I think it is 
one of my favorite games that uh, this studio has ever put out. And a big part mm. of that is that I, I think that they managed to really refine and, and polish a lot of those classic expectations of gameplay that you were talking about in, in, in terms of structure, in terms of actually having individual sorties and, and missions that are very well paced inside of the actual missions and very fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that combination with tuning the the mech that you have, the way that uh, parts become available to you, the flexibility of that just results in, I, I think, uh, just a hugely enjoyable game to play. I also thought appreciated the checkpoints. Um, I very much appreciated, especially when fighting some of the more challenging bosses in the game, that they allow you to respec uh, your mech with the, the parts that you've already purchased, yeah. at least. You can't revisit the shop. Uh, but if you've been stockpiling parts and you're in the middle of a fight, and uh, like me, often you think, hmm, this isn't quite working. What if I tried a different combination? What if instead of this jumpy melee thing that I've got going on, I went for more of a floaty laser gun kind of thing? Or I, instead, what if instead of, you know, four heavy hitting missiles, I went with 10 that, you know, spread out a little more and maybe built up more stun? Mm-hmm. And the flexibility, and in some ways the approachability, uh of of that system and the way that it builds in and uses the garage much more so i think than than even a lot of the flexibility to builds that um say the souls games had uh and of course an enormous amount more flexibility than sekiro is built around make it just a fantastic game in this style from this studio to me yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, with the that it's like you have because Sekiro was not was not a game about modification, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. You kind of like figure it out. The you figured it out or you didn't didn't like you figured out the timing, uh, and the and the patterns or that was it. Like there was not like try this sword, um, where yeah, and then like um, Armored Core definitely brings in stuff from like the other uh, obviously more prevalent in the other souls games where you can actually like really um figure out what yeah what uh tool set works not only for you but also for specific encounters uh the weaknesses of different bosses that yeah that's that really interesting i i think there's a real focus on that in in this mm-hmm. armored core and it was it was present in some of the past armored cores but the the penalties for failing missions, uh, for for causing extraneous havoc and damage, um, and and the associated uh, hellscape monetary costs of failure in the previous Armored Core games, put the brakes on the ability to to mix and match and customize in the way that is very open in six uh and similarly in the souls games the the very slow buildup of 
uh, character stats, which can be limiting for what kind of gear or build you're doing. And sure, you can often use items or something to respect, but they're limited in quantity in, in many of them. Um, or you take a level hit or something like that. Having those breaks be entirely removed and instead saying, well, look, the important thing is you have to balance this out in terms of weight load, in terms of energy capacity. Um, and if you want to really optimize things, you have to take a bunch of other stats into account for flight time and defense and bonuses to attacking with different weapons, depending on how your arms are built, all of that wonderful garage granularity. <laughs> It, it it stands out to me. It's a it's a I think a very different approach um, and a, a departure, a welcome departure, in my opinion, from a lot of those previous games, mm. uh, especially as someone who who bounced off uh, Sekiro quite hard. Mm. Um, so it was almost like I got to enjoy a lot of the mechanics of Sekiro from the emphasis on on building up stun and finding those windows and, and all of what you and autumn were just discussing i got to have all of the fun of that but without being forced into a very particular rhythm or kind of fight um mm -hmm. and instead i could start to to build around or flex around the ideas that i had for how you know how i thought i could approach a fight and and fail or succeed yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that the ability to to um, the flexibility there makes such a difference um, in terms in terms of how the game plays and how um, yeah, like kind of it's it's philosophy. It's it's like because yeah, there's definitely a, de a departure from Sekiro as much as um, yeah, as much as it's also like an embracement of a lot of uh, a lot of this a lot of similar um, game design philosophies. There's definitely uh, it's not the same game by any means. Um, I, was yeah. I was surprised um, from what everything I had heard of past games in the series, mm. how forgiving this one felt. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really take anything away from you when you fail, um, and it like replenishes your ammo. Um, it like gives you the chance to change out your load, um, and it's like you're not going to get the highest score. You're not going to get an S rank, um, mm. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, which if you don't care about, especially on the first playthrough, it's like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say like one of the things that like drove me, uh, mad in Sekiro was the like spirit emblem thing mm -hmm. that you had to expend to do like your big flashy move. Yeah. Um, mm. like would not reset upon death it was like you could accumulate a lot and then hold on to a small amount of them uh but they were like a finite resource and it was hard to replenish them especially at the end game and i remember my first playthrough of sekiro just like depleting all of them as they worked again and again at the final boss mm -hmm. and it's like if i run out of these i'm not going to use this move and i'm gonna have to go grind for more of these things mm. um and there's that's just like is never uh, there's no limit like that that could like really detract from going and experimenting with different builds and just continuing to try new things out here. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's interesting how like different from software games like experiment with with um, scarcity, but I feel like it's always it's never it, it it's always a bit like uh, there's always a bit of friction with the rest of their game design <laughs> where it's like the game design is about cycles. 
and about um, kind of repeating, uh, usually, you know, the, the, the primary example is repeating the same boss over and over again. Uh, so then when you combine that with like, you can repeat the same boss over and over again, but you can't, don't get to have, you know, you don't get to use the same resources. Uh, definitely like, uh, and then, yeah, obviously like makes it so it doesn't feel as, as much like when armored core six, like it feels like the limit is my, is me, right? Like it's my ability to learn the boss, my ability to adapt, um, my play style and to change and, and have the confidence to change my build into something completely different and see if that works. Like that's, those are all very like player, uh, it's like player decision-making versus, kind of economy like which is a different kind of gameplay um like and certainly like there's there are games that where that works really well where like you you know you're balancing things and i mean there's some, something very interesting about at least from what i've heard about earlier armored cores being very um having like kind of a, a punitive edge <laughs> to uh <laughs> um how you how you uh explored levels in terms of like um gunplay or uh, uh in terms of um yeah, like get building up debts for for like killing oh, um, yeah. the wrong thing. I, I, <laughs> I think economy is a great way to put it for in, in a few senses of the word. Um, mm. Because, right, it, it's an economy in terms of the in-game resources and what that allows you to, to do and build, um, whether it puts pressure on you to sell parts that you aren't using, um, even if you know also that if you go into to further damage to your wallet you might not be able to even repurchase them immediately armored core 6 does away with that you sell parts at cost and you buy them at the same cost and it it the the effect is all on what you have in store really uh so that you can try different things again and again right the only the only limiting factor there is well you know do you have enough that you've built up so that you could try a few combinations at this boss but it isn't that each attempt at the boss then takes you out of it and and makes it so that oh well you can no longer afford to to power the you know this core these arms whatever it is or you caused you know so much damage and you didn't have enough credit to pay for it so now you have to sell parts and that's the kind of thing that yeah previously would have been a feature in armored core games and there's some interesting thematic stuff you can do with that mechanic. It, it certainly um, vividly illustrates how central uh, markets and economy and corporate exploitation uh, are to other Armored Core games. Um, and, and in 6... I think it's fair to say that, you know, those bits of, of thematic resonance with gameplay aren't quite as present, but I think they open up a lot more interesting possibilities and uh, also tell a more interesting story, mm-hmm. even having, you know, maybe sidelined some of, of that previous uh, hallmark of the series. Yeah, I... I... I agree, and I think that is an excellent segue opportunity <laughs> to talk about some of the themes of the game and some of the, the narrative aspects of it, and, the, and the, in terms of especially like what you both have written about it. Um, and Don, uh, in your piece uh, called "On Barred On Barred Wings," um, you uh, you kind of you know bring up this idea of 
uh, I mean, obviously, it's there's a lot, there's a strong focus on the on the pilot on um, on Raven on C four sixty one as the kind of silent protagonist uh, and um, kind of how the world reacts to that. And I was curious if you wanted to talk a bit more about um, uh, about where you kind of got or, or where you got the idea for or the piece from. And obviously, like I think there's some there's a connection with um, kind of the some of the um, the self other theorization that I thought was really interesting. And I feel like I was like, I could see a whole other essay about this. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I might expand that later. Um, thank hmm. you. I, well, well, one of the things that I do think Armored Core 6 does better than many previous video games, even uh, well, it embraces and is more uh, of an adaptation than striking out and, and doing something brand new is that um, the player character, uh, 621, Raven, Gun 13, whatever uh, you, you want to, to call the pilot, um, they don't have any directly represented dialogue in the game. Other characters mm-hmm. can react to them as though they have said something or maybe said something off camera, Um, but most frequently the way that other characters react to the player character is in reaction to something you do in the midst of a mission. So, you know, you're there with two other pilots and you're there to blow up, uh, a, a brave, uh, fortification, (laughs) um, by people who are, are non-corporate forces on a Rubicon and they, you know. An example is they, they complain about you at first, and then you start wreaking absolute havoc, uh, and then they go, wow, okay, this 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 uh, Gun 13 over here, they know, they know what's up. Um, they can blow stuff up really well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was struck in playing the game as it progressed um, that it seemed to me that compared to a lot of other games, including, uh, say, the Souls games, there was a little bit more playfulness, a little bit more, there, there was a little more substance to maybe the actual idea that the, the player character doesn't have much to them, right? It isn't just that they don't speak out of some idea of, of gameplay convenience, scripting, self-insertion, player character as avatar. There, there is some of that, but I think there's something more than that. Um, in that there is an implication that the experimental surgeries that the player character has been subjected to may have rendered them into a superhuman pilot of a giant mecha, but perhaps a a, a person or a being who isn't capable of much else. <laughs> and certainly the game doesn't give you the opportunity to do much else. Uh, than than be in a garage and work around uh, an armored core and and then pilot it on these missions, and I was intrigued by that because it's still the game still gives you choices and options and has a whole narrative around uh, how six two one and Raven becomes recognized as a pilot by these different factions on this planet. So there there is a character there, but it's mostly a character that's only given in reflection by by others. And I think in a very deliberate way, 
which contrasts with the usually vague and and less deliberate ways that uh, protagonists who aren't given any lines in the script mm-hmm. um, are provided with. And and then yes, that that spun me off into a whole idea about well, right, well, you know, with selfhood, um, there is plenty of sociological and phenomenological theories about how much the self is constituted by others, uh, by pre-existing others, others that were thrown into situations with. Um, and I was seeing that happen all the time. Uh, and I think that provides definition and shape to the player character in an unexpectedly subtle, uh, but again, I think deliberate way. It's very cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's like this... There's definitely something subtle about it, uh, and you p- I think you picked up on that um, in terms of of yeah, like because in, in other games, like such, some of the ones you mentioned as well, like where uh, you have a silent protagonist, uh, the, the the scripting is not necessarily the script is not necessarily going to like have characters talking to your character uh, in a way that assumes they're waiting for an answer uh, that that has you know so much quest so much of a question mark of like who you actually are and like um like what you or like how you present how you are seen like because obviously you're um there are layers of of representation and layers of observation where you you have your you know direct connection with handler walter you'll have um the coral being who's like kind of in some ways just interfacing with your consciousness and doesn't what doesn't <laughs> seem like a verbal way um and then you know you have like other uh yeah like you mentioned other mercenaries like the the uh um Bal- like the Balaam guys and Arkbus and all and all those yeah all those different um you uh, different like social groups in many ways uh that are kind of uh, taking up your like that that are shaping like how you how the player how the audience of the game sees the character yeah um and autumn like you, you wrote another great really great piece she had a body um and i think you talk about a lot of similar things and I, I know like there was uh and we had been talking before you wrote the piece of just like yeah of that kind of question mark of like of the of the player and i think you also uh, or like of the player character of, of 61 mm-hmm. um but i think you also like push it in, in a direction of like not only like how you know how difficult it is to kind of understand who you play but also like understand the the environment and the world that you are in because like there's so much that is obfuscated and and kind of distorted by the perspective of who you talk to and like what you're doing there as part mm-hmm. of a kind of a colonialist colonialist enterprise so yeah i just want um, i'm curious what what like if you think that yeah like especially if like how we think of how don's piece like kind of plays into i think where, where you're going with the unwelt and transhumanism mm. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, um, uh, as Don was explaining this piece, I was thinking, like, you're kind of describing, like, performance, right? Um, Mm. The way that, like, the self is formed through these relationships with others. Um, 
And so we could also like kind of angle that as performance, get to gender performance, uh, mecha and gender very tied up. Um, and so like, there's definitely an angle in my piece. Uh, there is a bit about like gender, and, uh, the embodied experience of gender for me, uh, that I wanted to get at in my piece. Um, and like, the starting point for mine is also the names, all the different names that uh, the player character is given, and none of them are like considered their original name at all. Mm-hmm. Um, a starting point for me was the story trailer uh, that's like up on YouTube right now. Um, it has these unique cinematics that never show up in the game. It kind of reminds me of like old Halo ads where it's like a really cinematic produced trailer that's the story background, but not like the actual concern of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the story trailer, we see what we assume is Handler Walter's shadow walk into this operation room and he's like visiting this weird surgeon doctor dude again after 617 who's mentioned in the game and like several other pilots were killed on this mission that we watch happen that's like really cool um but you just see this like bandaged body with like tubes all connected to it on an operating table directly under the mech that you end up starting with um and like walter basically says like calls you 61 says he'll give you a reason to live <laughs> um and there's so much there like does this is are you being like reanimated <laughs> with future technology or something um is like can you talk is there a body in there um and so uh yeah like the the next thing that kind of like associated in my head was the like uh, this like quote from Fisher: "The as production distribution are restructured, so are nervous systems, uh, because that's really happening." And like a thing to th- that I like to think about, like mechs as the shapes of mechs as new bodies can like really reflect how we view the people inside of them, um, mm-hmm. and just like having a mech be a human, like a great red, white, and blue human soldier, like in Gundam, says something about the people that make that, right? Um, the anime 86 a couple of years ago, phenomenal. It's about uh, the whole like conceit of that is that the very like Aryan kingdom thinks that they fight this war with drones, but actually there are people in the mechs, but mm. they don't consider them people because they have dark skin um, <laughs> and the mechs are shaped like bugs. And so like mm-hmm. that is also a reflection of the inhumanhood of the pilots, right? Um and so, like, I think, like, reading Don's piece, it's also interesting to think, like, can the pilot even physically talk? Like, what is the state of this body? Um, yeah. And trying to think about that. Uh, but also, like, what is a body? What is the state of other bodies here? There's a lot of weird bodies in this uh, as we, like, start to think about air. And it's like, can, is maybe 621 talking to air in their mind if they can hear air? You know, like... And, like, we just are not on that modality to, like, actually understand that. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, th- totally. I I was thrilled when I, I saw your piece go up on the site um, because that was, that was the first opportunity I had to read it. And all of those aspects of embodiment that you're d- discussing in relation to Mecca 
um, are are so interesting to me in how they're represented. Uh, sorry, represented in Armored Core Six, um, precisely because you're right. The details are left out about what kind of fleshy embodiment may or may not be present, not only in the player characters' uh, armored core, but in the cores of the other characters that we encounter. Mm-hmm. And there's some notes and, and things like that that you can read into when you defeat uh, one of these other pilots' simulated images in the in-game arena that uh, variously say you know things about how they're you know, funded by this corporation and they aggressively pursue more and more augmentation. And some of them um, are described as, you know, using hundreds of people as test subjects for augmentations until they're perfected so they can become an ever more advanced pilot. But those points about, well, aside from the, the shape of the mech, and the way that it's built, what it's equipped with um, as as a war machine, amongst other things. Do we have any idea, any representation of the pilots in general in the game and of 61 in particular? A lot of that is is left out and left to, to the player's imagination on the one hand. And on the other um, I think that the game does go a little bit farther in those details about surgery and experimentation uh, and in that story trailer that, that you mentioned to bring those questions forward, right? And, and that's something around the non-speaking character of 621 and Raven that I find really interesting in comparison to other similar protagonists in other games. In Armored Core 6, it feels to me like there are actually plot or setting narrative reasons for why it is that the player character might not be able to interact. They might not be able to talk back instead of it just being something that is sort of present and given in the game, but it isn't, no one acts surprised. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, or they all act as though the player character is in fact interacting with them it's just that for whatever reason players can't hear them and Mm -hmm. i'm excited by the direction of a video game that says well not only can the player not hear them or understand uh but it might be that other characters in this game don't either it might be that they're not able to do so or, and, and I'm really excited by what you just said about this, it could be that the way that they can communicate beyond the actions of their mech uh, is in a modality that some of the characters in the game, namely Air, can understand, but others cannot. And that, I mean, that would be a very cool idea to explore. Mm. Yeah, and it's like it gets at that agency, like, it, like this character is like, and he says he's like this freelancer that is so under control and like how thinking about how like violence is the only way for you to express agency in this game mm-hmm. like the fact that like you might not be able to actually talk but walter still talks to you like that like mm-hmm. that's adds something to this game and like there's this like through the 
like lore texts that you can find. We learn about all the augmentation among other pilots and like this history of like there being generations of augmentation. And I think it like, you know, there's stuff about that in other mecha. It's also very cyberpunky how it's described. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I was like, was really thinking some of this like starts to invokes the idea of cyberpsychosis in cyberpunk, which is like this really weird ableist mechanic from those games that shows up in modern iterations still. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there's like the, the point of the augmentations here would be that like, presumably it makes you a better pilot, right? Um, because you can interface more closely with the machine itself. So you can like not just like see a readout of a sensor, but maybe you can like feel that sensor in whatever way feeling would be for that thing. Um, that we might not have a, a touchstone to like relate to a sensor feeling that we know, right? Mm. Like what would sonar feel like? Like, and that that gets at all these really big interesting questions for me because now we're not talking about like augmentation to be a better pilot but like we're getting at like what at like a post-human kind of body the trans transhumanism of cyberpunk shit and like that's where my piece started so like where i was like i i have to go read about more like i know there's more writing specifically on how other bodies like interact with like a sensorial world and luckily eddie yong just wrote this great book about it uh so i was like i have to finally go dig down into this thing yeah no i'm really glad you did because it it really like there's like it made me think a lot about you know like yeah like air and and the coral beyond um beyond kind of more i guess traditional like trope filled ways of looking at kind of a unobtainium type resource um because it's like there is something about and thinking and thinking about the transhumanism and the posthumanism of uh of the i guess the hu- giant quotes humanity that is <laughs> um you know pursuing this uh this resource extraction race on on Rubicon you know there there's some element of like you know the the most um the most uh mercenary uh in the adjective adjective form uh um of the corporations are like the ones who go th- or kind of are, are are the most technologically advanced and the most kind of augmented and, and there's uh and in my pc i definitely like wrote about um assigning kind of uh like the the way value is attached to capability versus like uh humanity versus like um your character as a person like uh if you're if you're represented by your ability to uh be you know generative and creative for the purposes of capital for capitalism for corporations like it it fits the the con the construct of the game uh, like the game like I think comments on this like the, the fact that you can only fight the fact that you can only like buy um, more weapons uh, that that you're kind of trapped in this this kind of cage of of um, of being a mercenary of being a freelancer uh, and there and and despite you know and and I think character and humanity does show up and like pathos does show up in the in in the people you work with like but it's it's happening behind 
like a screen of of this like larger exploitative mission, which is how it works in the real world too. Like these these are people like who are working for these corporations. But then like when once you get into the level of like the corporations speaking to each other as corporations, um, you kind of the sight of that gets lost. And I think there, and I I really like. Um, Autumn, you bringing up Avatar because I think, <laughs> think about it a lot. I actually am a big Avatar defender. I think, think it's great, um, and and part of like yeah, what it captures is like this um, yeah, like the, the way like um, looking at like looking at like modern capitalism from like this like kind of extreme like this extreme. Um, and from an outside perspective of like seeing it's how destructive and also like kind of thoughtless and 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 um and mindless it is like as kind of an extractive force like where you just like drop on like in the sequel you see them like just dropping into the planet like a meteor like literally like kind of uh causing apocalypse just by arriving not necessarily doing anything yet um and there's the soullessness to it too. Like so, the idea is like the characters in the movie are getting, are kind of like a, attaining some level of uh, of ethics from by leaving behind the, um, I, I guess the bodies and the and the um, and the traditions and the and the and the and the, the, the kind of moral lessons of of their past on Earth and and like kind of and embracing a entirely different uh, civilization an entirely different um way of living and i think that's kind of like where i see the coral come in and i think the connection you've made to corals is great there where it's like uh you know it's not just about like understanding that the coral is alive and has sentience and can speak to you through this character who you know like you know uh is not always there's like a, there's a certain level of like like naivete to to the way like it's the the communication happens between you and air that i think like belies something deeper uh which i think which is which i'm which is why i'm glad autumn that you wrote like kind of more and more about it you know because i think there is so much more to be understood in terms of like um like like i think this idea that it's like like my thought process was oh it's really fucked up like we're we are ex we are like exploiting this natural resource that that can think and then you think about it it's like that's already what we do <laughs> that's already <laughs> what we do <laughs> um and i think it's just like making that connection was like the kind of linchpin of why your piece really worked Yeah, I uh, was very, like, pleased with myself to just be able to, like, bring up Avatar, of all things, <laughs> um, in this, because uh, I've been thinking too much about those movies, um, just, like, rewatch them with a friend, um, mm -hmm. and I generally hate Avatar and Avatar 2, <laughs> um, I just, there's so much to not like about them for me specifically. Sure. <laughs> um, but, like... There are things where it's like camera does kind of get it. Like there, are the stuff about like the like, yeah, the like the thing that I write about specifically is that like Sully is able to experience the world in a different body, and that it like leads to him thinking differently, and like 
like yeah like i would not think the same way and therefore not be the same person if my body was shaped differently um Mm -hmm. and in avatar that's all tied up in colonialism and stuff and i think coral here really strongly evokes the like tree ecosystem in avatar on pandora uh where it's just like it's not human like there is like quote-unquote human life on pandora the blue people right um that Mm -hmm. are just a metaphor for indigenous people all over Mm -hmm. the world um Mm -hmm. but um the thing is like in our core like it's not just that it's like oil it's not just that it is like living complicated plant life it's like they do have names and personalities and where does that start and i think like part of the writing through this is like a dissatisfaction with a lot of metaphors and allegories about colonialism like cameron's Mm. uh because it's like the humans are always the colonizers the actual colonized people therefore not portrayed as humans ever Mm -hmm. um and it like betrays this idea that like we can like the we did not see colonizers or we here obviously doing a lot of work um (laughs) but like colonizers did not see uh indigenous people fully human and so like to see non-human stuff as less like sentient is like part of that same logic it's like an anthropocentrism still um i think like pointing out that third line is really important uh because like the the whole thing might be spilled up to is this thing going on in cytology to be like if we could just talk to whales maybe we'd save the world and it's like (laughs) no like if we know they're complicated and have families and culture but we're not doing it talking to them ain't gonna change anyone's (laughs) feelings about that and that's we we talk to people and we have no (laughs) problem Uh, yeah we we could talk to indigenous people we could talk to enslaved people like that did not stop us that did mm. not stop colonization and like that's the infuriating thing for me right now mm. yeah and don i like i had a, i was wondering like because you you talk a little bit about like um 61 61's relationship with uh the coral and air like i wonder if you had more thoughts about that like in terms of like 61 being kind of a uh, almost disembodied character and or at least like a voice like a, a a voiceless one like how like it, there's definitely something special about their relationship with air that i think plays off of that yeah, um, yeah. i i i think that that's i think there is something again more substantial to the player character given in their relationship in this case with with air and and like I've said, that is more or less the way the player character is is given development is by meeting and interacting with and making decisions uh, together with or opposed to these other characters who who are given voice in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a very interesting idea that in addition to there being an aspect of this energy resource, uh, which turns out to be fairly key to the surgical augmentations, as well as the power source of uh, a lot of mech gear. Um, So it can be directly 
interfacing with mm. whatever kinds of beings the the armored core pilots are um and with with their mechs uh if indeed the pilot and mech could even be talked about as separate um as you point out point out maybe that isn't so obvious that that they can be separated mm. and yet even in this world where where coral is so wrapped up in um making war with these these large robotic uh and embodied and mecha war machines and the pursuit of coral is so important and the use of coral to continue that conflict is so important which is feeds back into why they're pursuing it even in that world it doesn't seem as though other people have encountered uh the coral in in the way that air um is is presented to the player mm -hmm. and in the way that it interacts with uh 621 or as air prefers uh raven and that i mean that point is is a big point for me because the preference of addressing the player character as raven that is developed as a key plot point in the game is one of the ways that uh I, I think Air as a representative of the Coral reaches out to the player character and to players to to show and demonstrate, you know, what their position is, what their moral position is, how perhaps the player character and the Coral are aligned in in interest and maybe in ethic. Um mm. and and it's key to one of the main endings of the game, uh, as as you pointed out, that you can side with the coral um and present uh, or prevent it it's you know destruction um by handler walter and uh that faction of of humans who see it is is primarily a, a threat or is something that perpetuates conflict um air is much more about uh i think first maybe simply defending the the capacity and right to exist and to continue existing whatever the other entanglements and baggages you know, baggage with humanity um has has developed and there and there already is that that baggage is already there it's already vividly present mm -hmm. in the setting and story of armored core um but it, it is an aspect of the plot that unfolds mostly with this character that it doesn't seem that anyone else communicates with um and in the only way again that it, the player really as 61 can communicate back is by selecting which kinds of missions they want to go on hmm. or by uh otherwise reacting in accordance with what um air as a representative of the coral makes uh makes known as their wishes it's a really interesting yeah. idea of communication and doubly so yes uh, in that other characters in the game either don't have it they don't have the capacity that raven does or they're ignoring it yeah there's this there's a sense that sense that like the in choosing the endings you're kind of either you're 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 choosing 61's like or Raven, you're choosing 61 or Raven in some way, right? Yeah. You're choosing like their, 
like their association like am i like an augment am i a human augmented or whatever i'm still like am i still am i still thinking of myself as a human or am i thinking thinking of myself as um something about something something else something where i kind of like uh sort of you know it's like avatar right um yeah. uh leaving behind uh the the military um ethos and, and embracing the uh indigenous population <laughs> and yeah like, like the way i interpret the the final ending the new game plus ending uh, uh would be um or new game plus plus um <laughs> would be that like you and air are kind of fused in this mech body mm. um like you have now fully become like you have a new body that can do more things but like is also limited because there's guns on your hands mm. like you could you can move around more freely with it than you could before as a pilot but like yeah like the the final words of the game or say like well you have this body it's built for war though <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great uh, which which goes with everything yeah. else in the game right if if all of your actions in this body are kept in this you know you're you're only really woken up and able to move around in the scope of the game on these combat missions mm-hmm then then right you're you're right that that it speaks to the way that the the mech as body shapes um the capacities for for action and choice and and identity going going forward yeah and there's like the sense that like people chose this to research this to engineer this to build all of this stuff there's this like quote i have in like my notes from writing this uh that air says I think in like the second chapter, maybe, or like early third chapter, uh, humanity assumed its current form to fight itself, to choose from infinite selections. That is the essence of the human race and the key to biological evolution, um, which <laughs> feels like uh, something out of Metal Gear. But like, <laughs> um, but like, I, I love it because it gets to the like, we could have made them look like a new thing and mm-hmm. we made them look like us idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, also, humanity assumed its current form is very much like humanity has built its augmentation as this next step of evolution, right? Um, and for the sole purpose of fighting itself, of course. Um, and but of course. yeah, the, the idea of having infinite selections is like, with these bodies, we can fight with all these other kinds of weapons, and we can fight other bodies with those weapons better. Yeah, no, it's like um, with like uh, when they were arguing against universal healthcare, being like, "We need to have choices for doctors," and it's like, "What?" But what about just being getting care? <laughs> like so the idea of like the way capitalism like a, a, a shapes choice as the ultimate um uh outcome and the ultimate goal you might you might be seeking one is like no actually well, i want to be alive and healthy and and have a, a certain freedom to make choices that don't involve what i can buy and what mm-hmm. i can acquire and i think that's like it's interesting because like at the same time that is where we are currently exist that is what we are currently existing within like it's a game like made within within this reality of like how we can identify it has to exist has to happen within the ba- certain boundaries which is why I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought up 
um, Ottoman European attack attack helicopter, mm. which is like like really on point <laughs> for this game, <laughs> like so utterly on point. And I, I know I know Lucina also wrote a great piece about that, like kind of like the ability, the expressivity, um, uh, like there is a there is a sense of freedom within like these incredibly confined restraints and i think that's like you know our our selfhood our humanity like finding a way to exist and to breathe within um a suffocating you know reality uh and if that um involves yeah like you know continuing to uh, as it as it as it currently must continuing to damage ourselves and others and the earth and everything else like there's there's still like I think that spark of of um, I think of wanting to of, of of wanting to find some measure of agency and expressivity. Um, it, I think the game taps into where it's like you know, and I think and probably most mecha anime <laughs> taps into that uh, that tension between the um, the joy of kind of in some ways like you know uh leaving our 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 limited um bodies and and limitations behind and being able to fly through the air and um uh do something otherwise impossible you know you know something beyond our imaginations uh the you know the otakuness of it all uh (laughs) and then um but that always being tied back to like something ultimately like kind of uh self-defeating and and um and self-destructive like it's kind of like flare kind of like a flaring out like a a beautiful like supernova of flaring out um and and uh and finding the beauty and the joy in that but also recognizing the um the it's dead end nature Which I, you know, I would say the the game, the game's endings absolutely kind of, refl- I think, reflect where it's like there's, there is no real, you know, happy ending, right? There's no like, you made the right choices. Everything's good now. Like you're still kind of, there's always like some, some hint at the, at, at, at the cyclical nature of the, of the reality that you're in. Yeah. Like you don't have the pilots line up and and applaud (laughs) (laughs) yeah none of them could really be called a good ending i don't think no no it's just like fitting endings (laughs) yeah there's something very like fatalistic to that that i think is like a through line of mecca but also cyberpunk Mm -hmm. um and like this idea that like all possible expression through transhumanism will just be like uh, appropriated by the state um Mm. and that is something that really comes through in isabel falls helicopter story um and then like the mecca tradition of that is more the like fatalism of doing imperialism and capitalism even if we can get into space and like if we're just we're humans are going to keep doing this again and again until they can destroy themselves in bigger ways yeah but it'll look really cool doing it 
Yeah, we will. <laughs> so fun to play and move around in this game in, in a way that, that is, uh, it, it is seductive, you know? We, were, we opened the podcast talking about how just enjoyable a game this is to play. And then we, you know, talk about the the narrative and the endings, and it it does place that that ease and and that all all of the pleasure to be had in yeah in, in wielding a, a mech just at high speed jet blasters in different colors depending on what kind of fuel they're burning. You've got these clear blue ones. You've got these yellow ones. You have the red with the coral. You know, you, you, you have underglow on these things. They're they're great mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and gorgeous and fun to move around in. Um, and the melee is where they actually feel like they have heft and weight and crunch in a way that otherwise you're, you know, maybe when you're boosting, they feel more slippery. There mm-hmm. There's so much uh, pleasure to be had in, in piloting one of these. I think it forms an interesting contrast with the plot. Uh, and, and the story and the themes that instead say something maybe closer to, well, hey, step back. Um, consider the the costs of what it would would be to be like this and only be like this. Uh, and the trade-off is to be like this, you can only be like this. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have the option to get out of the AC and walk around and uh, live in other ways as as a human being, um, but isn't it great to pilot a mech? <laughs> yeah, I think like its ability to hold both of those things together and form synthesis just like continually. It never like fully lets you indulge in the fantasy of oh, this is just great. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's always holding that against you, and like that other games could do that differently. Like Ace Combat is about this like joy of flying and it feels so good and it's so pretty and just like don't think about the ideal of aviation right mm. um meanwhile the story does not actually try to hold that back and you can do war crimes and you mm. do like continue to maintain borders in that fiction and it's kind of messed up um <laughs> but like other way of looking at it is something like heaven will be mine which is very interested in the like transhumanist posthuman ideas behind mecca like this um, mm. where, like, the way that a uh, story shapes its world, like, there, actual, there is actually joy to find in moving around, but the mechs that you get to make decisions for are not, like, doing a colonialism either, so, like, it's okay, more okay, really, to think <laughs> about it that way. Uh, you're just, like, going on dates with your exes and uh, fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, Make the mechs ethical. <laughs> you can't make them ethical in real life. Don't try it. Please do it don't. You, you do it as a game, though, so it's fine. Um, yeah, no, it's... Thanks. Uh, that that was great. That was a great um, discussion. Do, do either of you have anything like, you'd like to add? Um... John, do you want to go first? I, I'm considering. I, <laughs> I, I. This is the least heady thought to close on. But <laughs> once upon a time, uh, playing <laughs> Arena 
uh, the first Armored Core game with a very good friend um, who was much better at it than I was. I was absolutely fixated on making builds with reverse joint legs work. They did not work <laughs> against this friend. Uh, he would consistently shoot me right out of the air after I leapt up in the air in a, in a thing that I just couldn't get enough of, that initial mm -hmm. hop that you get with these chicken legs. Just can't quit it. And it was a real pleasure, uh, and yes, a nostalgic pleasure as well, 20-some years later, to see that, oh yeah, the reverse joint legs, that is still what I prefer to be. If I'm in a mech <laughs> shape, put my knees the other direction, please. <laughs> knees, knees reverse. That's right. If I can see my knees, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, I guess, like, something I would want to say about my piece here is that, like, mind-body dualism is fake, IMO. Um, <laughs> your body and mind are both valuable uh, and historically different groups of people's bodies or minds have been discounted. Mm -hmm. um, and, like truth is those are one and the same you have to take care of both to take care of the other one um and i think like those really shape who we are as people both in this like literal scientific sense we are discovering more and more but also this like philosophy philosophical sense and like this like phenomenological sense of how like i experience life and like embracing that i have a body is like actually really great and beneficial uh to me as like a queer person uh with uh many disabled loved ones like yeah just think about it differently if you haven't thought about uh like take care of your body if you have kind of have the idea of mind-body dualism that's like a concept that you haven't really thought too much about just like break it apart a bit hell yeah yeah i mean and and talk about a game that makes you think about it yeah. because it's like how many games have we piloted a robot and not thought about that we're piloting a robot in that way you know we're mm -hmm. just like we're just piloting a robot and it's like not core or central to the game mm -hmm. that like what are you piloting how how are you interfacing um i thought it's just like such a great um a great exploration of that and and and, and necessary you know to think about because yeah like autumn is saying it's like it's i think central to and as you write in your piece, central not only to understanding ourselves, but also how we impact others and impact the world around us. Mm -hmm. um, great. Yeah, that I think let's stop there. Though I, I was thinking, I do think we should sign off with our with our build, our favorite builds. Don already kind of there. I started with the chicken legs. Um, but what are you? Um, what are you? What's, what do you got in the arms? Uh, I, I think I went with the, the mind arms you get from the arena uh i like having the the butter blade the laser the butter blade that you start with it, <laughs> it's b-u-t-t-a yeah it's yeah, the butter blade um <laughs> I, I like having that on my left hand i like a maybe like a gatling gun or a shotgun on my right because that sort of keeps or builds mm -hmm. the stun going so that i can use the the butter knife um <laughs> uh, and and the back um i I, I want to try things out after the latest patch, but 
I, I'm basic on the shoulders. I like I like a songbird and I like a sun needle. Hmm. Nice. I mean, they, they get the job done. You know, they they <laughs> do, well. You know, the combination of all of that either makes it so that I can get stunned very quickly and then deal big damage and and boost in and deal even more, um, or I can sort of keep uh, if I'm using the a Gatling gun or a machine gun the damage going until i get the the right moment to again just i just yeah. everything slice eventually them, leads them to up. a tackle <laughs> <laughs> slice them up i uh would most often have a shotgun in my right hand and in the left i'd have some iteration of the pulse blade um just very close up, very high damage, just like wipe you out really quickly. Um, and then on the shoulders, uh, I would have probably like a multi-missile system uh, because you can't take out a lot of people with those two arm weapons. Um, mm. And either more missiles on the left or like a pulse buckler uh, for like a boss fight or something uh, for when you're closing the distance and can't avoid stuff as well. Hmm. Yeah, no, how about you? Um, I, I, def- I definitely, I for my the 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 body, I definitely do something middle range. Like I always, I tried for a while to do more to have like a lighter robot, but I want or lighter um, armored core, but I wanted to just have a lot of guns. <laughs> so I ended up um, getting a little getting a little more 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 heft. Um, and then for at least my first playthrough, once I figured out you could just do dual Zimmerman shotguns and dual stun needles, um, that's what I did. Uh, and it was so satis- it's so satisfying, like after like uh, kind of banging your head against certain other, like different other ways of building, because um, like with a stun needle, obviously like it takes forever to fire and it's very slow. And then you see the enemy dodge it. And you're just like, that's nice. And then you just shoot the other one <laughs> or directly into the, where they dodge to. Um, and it does, and it stuns so efficiently. And then once you just get up close with a dual shotgun, it's just over. Um, but I definitely like also really enjoyed the songbirds for similar reasons. I'm just like, there's just something so satisfying about doing like a huge amount of damage in one go. Um And you're just like, yeah, that that's right. That's, that's, that's good. The number went up there. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, but I think well, I haven't finished the new game pluses yet. I definitely want to um, experiment with like faster builds and and you know see what I could get away with in terms of like losing weight and like kind of going with uh, yeah lighter. But uh, and again, bringing melee melee back because I do really love melee, so I need to like reconnect. I need to reconnect with my my with my sword with my butters my butter knives. <laughs> And um, and Don, where where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me uh, at Dunn, D-O-N-E, on co-host, or you can find me at Optional on Blue Sky. Excellent. Good ass. Yeah, um, and Autumn. I am on Twitter and Blue Sky at the Autumn Right, and on co-host at Autumn. Nice. Um, and I am uh, Yusef, the host of this podcast. 
uh, I'm writing, I'm you know editing on bullet points, and um, I think you meet you on Blue Sky, and yeah, um, thank you both for 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 joining me. It was a really great discussion. Like, I didn't, I thought I was like done thinking about the game, but <laughs> this really <laughs> like kind of re rejiggered my. <laughs> my thoughts, um, my thinking process uh, about like, yeah, Armor Core 6, uh, because it's great. And now I want to play more of it. Um, And thank everybody who's listened to this podcast. Thank you all. Um, I think this won't be a paid. I think this will be be public. Everyone can can download it uh, from uh, our Patreon page and also from SoundCloud. and we will post this on all the social medias. And if you if you like if you liked reading about uh, Armored Core, if you like listening to us talk about Armored Core, uh, please consider funding uh, Bullet Points Monthly on Patreon. Um, because yeah, like we that is how we continue making uh, working working at this critical level and and talking about the games and and I think especially games like this one in in. Uh, the ways that they need to, that they deserve to be discussed, um, and you know, to be able to to pay Don and Autumn and others, um, well, your your financial support, your financial support is uh, greatly appreciated. So thank you for listening, and please consider, if you haven't already, uh, subscribing, and we'll we'll catch you next time. 